Master Bowman podcast. If you're obsessed with the strategies, gear, and stories that will make you a better backcountry bow hunter, you're in the right place. We're independent, unsponsored, and unbiased, so we can cut the fluff and give you detailed advice on what really works and what doesn't. On this episode, Josh and I are talking about where to camp and why it matters, how close you can get to the elk, why you should be camping up high, and what to do if you end up camping low. So I think I start every one of these with, hey, Josh, I'm struggling to come up with something else to say to, to kick this one off. Maybe I could say, hey, Baxter. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, just flip it around a little bit. Yeah, um, yeah well, today, uh, today's fun. We're kind of doing the bridge between uh, last week's, which was the you know finding elk and then getting close. And it, like total candor on this one, like this doesn't sound amazing, right? Like where to camp and why it matters, guys, like, ooh, really exciting. But I honestly think it's one of the most, like, most impactful decisions you make when you're elk hunting because it, it's where you are and where you're set up, like, strategically mm-hmm. for the rest of the day. Yeah. So does this go back to your point about number one thing is spending most time where you can kill elk? Yeah. So set that up. One of the fundamental principles I've learned is like just the the amount of time you can be near an elk. And recapping because some guys might not have heard that. Uh, you know, my belief is that a lot of hunters spend only like three or four hours a day somewhere that you could kill an elk meaning yes they're hunting eight hours a day but they might be hiking for two hours each way and you know they're only up somewhere where they could feasibly have an elk walk into their path they could bump into one or hear one call those three or four hours and i think elk hunting is a numbers game so if you're you know all 14 hours of the waking day you're somewhere where elk could stumble into you or you could stumble into them your Mm -hmm. odds are just going to go through the roof right yeah and so you do where to camp matters. And this one is all about backpacking. Right. But I mm-hmm. think there's a lot of things guys can learn, even if they are car camping. Cause like we talked about earlier, I do a hybrid of the, the two, right. I try to kind of do both. And so, you know, it's not, it's not like either or, but to be successful, I think you just got to be close to the elk full stop. Yeah. So then you want to camp close to the elk, but not too close. Right. Yeah. And this is one where I actually get a lot of, uh, a lot of like, confrontation is not the right word it's like friendly just like heated discussion because guys they have this thing in their mind that uh getting close to elk is a really bad thing right but i am i actually am a huge proponent of camping like within a few hundred yards of elk Mm -hmm. i've even had elk walk around the tent all that yeah what are you saying um what what about if the wind is wrong yeah yeah so there's there's caveats to that we'll go over it in a sec but i think the the basic idea behind all this that I just learned the hard way was that when you're hiking in and out of an area, you're doing as much, if not more damage in my mind, because you're, you're walking, remember elk or nocturnal, we talked about that last week, right? Mm-hmm. But you're essentially walking right through their living room. No matter where you're hunting, it's almost always you have to cross their path. Because remember how they come down and then go up, like you can never be hundred percent sure you're not somewhere where an elk is when you're hiking up to them in the dark in the morning, in the night. Yeah. And so that is really, I think guys don't realize just how intrusive that is and like how much damage that does to an area versus being close to them. And, uh, you know, the ancient saying, like, keep your friends close, but your enemies closer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's the same kind of thing where it's like, if you're so close to them that they're actually not going to see you or get run over your scent as they move around during the day, I think it's actually better. So okay. guys probably are going to still disagree with that, but we can kind of walk through why I think that's the case. Yeah. And it's all with the goal, that number one goal of setting up so that most of your time you can be spent near or like very close to where you can kill an elk. Totally. That's, that's okay. goal number one. And that's the main reason I backpack. Like guys always, I think when guys think backpacking, they have this preconception of like, oh, it's so you can get places where there's no people, mm-hmm. right? And that's, uh, that's completely wrong. Like in today's world where everyone's quote unquote backcountry hunting, like I, don't, I don't think anyone's backcountry hunting. We're all hunting within five miles of a road. That's not really backcountry, but mm-hmm. that's what we all call it, right? Uh, it's, it's in that world, there's tons of guys. They're everywhere, right? You're yeah. not really getting away from them. All you're doing is getting into areas that uh, the main reason you're doing this is so you can be right with the elk, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's the reason I backpack. And there's, there's a lot of benefits that come with that. Right. We, we kind of walk through where you don't not bumping them in the dark. Um, that's the biggest one. And this to me, like when I started backpacking, I just noticed that as I was hiking in and moving around in the morning, you'd, 
you'd hear this like, you know, the woof, the standard bark kind of thing. And you'd hear them running off, right? Or what was even more interesting to me, I've done something that's pretty non-traditional is I packed in two or three game cams every year. Mm-hmm. Um, so I try to leave one near the car or what I call the exit area. I, I went in this giant valley the last few years that has a bunch of little small offshoots. And I, tr- I know the two or three areas, they leave that valley mm-hmm. uh, and they move into it. So I put the cameras there because for me, it's like an opportunity to learn, are they out coming in or are they leaving? Uh, mm. And that's largely due to me, right? Am I, mm-hmm. put, am I pressuring them? And so I learned pretty quick that when I was moving around at night, lots of elk were leaving the area. And then when I wasn't moving or when I was up higher, none of them left the area or they came into the area. And oh. so I think it's almost, their senses are so much better than ours at night. It's impossible to know that you even spooked them a lot of the time. Yeah. So wow. and I'm not like, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying don't ever hike in the dark. You have to, right? Like it's just mm-hmm. a necessary evil. But I, I think that was that kind of scientific approach of watching it and like learning about, are they moving in or out is what really started to convince me. I already had a hunch just because of, you know, spooking a bunch during the night, but uh, that that's kind of my, my piece yeah. on that one. But, and I think, uh, I think a lot of people might have the misconception of like backpack hunting as like baby hunting. Like they think that I know I did when I, mm-hmm. when I heard you first tell me that you backpack hunt, I thought you carried your entire campsite on your back all the time. Mm-hmm. So could you speak a little bit about that distinction? Yeah. It, and I, I kind of alternate between styles, right? There's, there's like spike camp, which is you go up there and you drop something and then you hike mm-hmm. back and forth to it. And then yeah. that's one end of the extreme. And the other is like you said, baby hunting. It's like you, darkness falls and you camp there um mm-hmm. and i do kind of a hybrid i just do whatever it is if i find elk in an area and i know i'm gonna hunt that area that night i'll set up my tent at three or four yeah right and that's great if i'm yeah if i'm chasing a bugling bull yeah i'll keep it on my back till last stinking light and then just throw it gotcha. down wherever i can find um, i almost never just leave a tent somewhere because that's you know elk are gonna move mm-hmm. but i don't really uh, yeah I, I don't think i need to run around all the time after them because there's a lot of places I get in and I can see a bunch of elk and I'm just waiting for the wind to switch or something to change. And I'm like, I can hear them bugling and I'm like, it's just not the right time. They give them two or three hours and then drop on them. So, yeah. And so you some other benefits to backpacking before we get off that. Like here's the one of the biggest ones guys are going to laugh uh, is that you can sleep in. <laughs> like you can actually get good sleep backpacking because you guys their thought is, Hey, I want to be at my campsite. Cause I get better sleep there. I have a thicker mattress. And yeah, that's true. But if you're getting back at 10, you haven't really eaten, you're waking up at four, like five or six hours of sleep for a week. Oh man, day three or four, you're zonked. Right. Mm-hmm. But with backpacking, I am, if I blow an opportunity or I've been hunting, I'm back to my tent in 10 minutes. Uh, and I, when I wake up in the morning, I can be to where I want, you know, from a few hundred yards away, I can be to where I can kill an elk within five minutes. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I'll sleep from you know, nine to nine to six. Uh, so I'll get great sleep, right? I'll get eight or nine hours of sleep. Uh, yeah. And I, we talked about with my gear choices. I, I take a wider pad, a warmer bag, a, like a, a pillow. I'm really, really into getting good sleep. Mm-hmm. And so I think the irony is of it is that backpacking is great for lazy guys. <laughs> <laughs> right. Cause you don't have to hike in and you get better sleep, but that's all, uh, with the caveat of choosing the right campsite, right? Exactly. Yeah. And there's two more, like with the backpacking, there's like two more things about being in a good campsite that really matter. And one is that like, you're always on time. Mm-hmm. And this one, like elk, like we talked about, they move in the morning and the evening, right? They're, they're out of there. And so if you're hiking in for an hour and a half and you're five minutes late, you missed them. Right. And so you're also, if you got a good campsite, you're like right where they are the second they're there. You never miss them unless you miss your alarm, but that's pretty impressive because you usually have to sleep with your phone. So the battery doesn't die. Yeah. Uh, and then you're the last one that's harder to like quantify or put numbers on is that it's easier to be patient, right? A heck of a lot easier to be patient because a lot of the time when you hike in or you're moving somewhere, you, you know, dark is coming or you know, they're going to move or, you know, you're like, I got to return to the car. And so you kind of want to make a play. I'm going to make something happen. Oh. And there's plenty of times in elk hunting, you have to make things happen. But there's also plenty of times where you're like, the thermals are wrong, man. They're in the wrong area. I don't like it. He's not fired up. You know, this other bull moved in. I need to wait till he's gone. Um, if you have a tent and you have a setup where you can nap or sit really comfortably and eat and watch them and 
like you're so much more likely to make a good decision in my right. opinion right because okay you'll see him and he'll be like oh whatever i'll just set up the tent here and just hang for an hour or two yeah so there's no pressure to be back somewhere at a certain time or to be at somewhere at a certain time um i like that point you made about like it's really hard to be late to get there because you're mm-hmm. basically already there the whole time there. <laughs> right and i mean of what was this was the last i don't even remember the years now you know on some of these stories but there was i mean i woke up at three to an elk bugling right around my tent he like literally snapped the branch 40 feet away from me across the <laughs> creek uh and i always wear earplugs it's one of my best tips for the backcountry bring a set of earplugs like that is going to make you sleep better than anything because it's amazing how fast a squirrel turns into a grizzly bear uh, <laughs> at 10 at night. Um, but, you know, I, I literally heard him bugle all through the morning and he's just literally 100 yards from my tent. So I actually had to wait for him to move about 100, 150 yards away from the tent. <laughs> wow. And then unzip it. You know, when you want to zi- unzip a zipper really quietly, you actually put pressure on the zipper with both of your fingertips. Mm-hmm. You squeeze it. And then move it up like you pinch it. Okay. Um, and uh, I had to do that and wait for it to open, and uh, almost got on him right. But I'm I'm literally you know 100 yards from my tent. I'm shot opportunity. Yeah. So that's pretty amazing, right? And that happens a lot. We've had multiple mornings. I can think of five or ten encounters where we've had elk within a few hundred yards. We've almost got on. So wow. Um, yeah. So rules of thumb, like this one's really hard to put a direct number on it. I tried to on the the blog. But uh, I said four to 500 yards from elk just mm-hmm. to be a little conservative because the furthest I've ever had them like win me on swirly winds has been like 250 yards. Okay. Um, but I think you can camp a heck of a lot closer to elk than most guys think. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's, that's two things, right? One we, we talked about last week is the outline. You know, they're really looking for, or and I don't know if we talked about that last week, but it's Elk don't really see you. They don't see a human and see a human hand and go, oh man, human hand. Yeah. Right. Like they don't understand that. What they understand is the outline of your body. Mm-hmm. Right. They say, oh, two-legged predator standing. Yeah. And so th- that has a lot of ramifications for getting close, which we'll talk about next week. But like always making sure you're in front of things, never skylining yourself, yada, yada, yada. But the tent actually takes away that outline. Right. So they actually... I'm 100% convinced when they see a tent, they're just like, oh, round thing, no big deal. Yeah. You, so you got to remember. Moving. Yeah, exactly. And you make sure no branches are rubbing against it. That makes a really weird noise. Mm. That for sure freaks them out. But they don't, when you're in that tent, they don't see you. And then secondly, that tent also kind of acts as a scent barrier, kind of traps scent in there. Yeah. Because I've had them come like super close and like I can hear them woofing, you know, smelling and like you can hear them ripping grass out of the ground and munching, but clearly they'd be smelling you right it's just yeah the, the tent has got a bucket inside of it and like a rainproof layer on the outside so you got kind of two layers that scent has to go through mm-hmm. um, so they just don't really don't really care in my opinion um about that stuff now you like going back to what you were first saying like the wind is everything right and so if you are camped somewhere where the wind's going to them it's no yeah you're gonna spook them all out so yeah. you do have to know the winds fairly well in that area or be confident that you're like off to the side of them. You just with the winds go up or down. They're not going to them. But uh, winds usually die in the middle of the night a lot of the time. So it's not that big okay. of a deal. Yeah. Yeah. So how do you figure that out? Yeah. It's, uh, it's a, I mean, really, it's just experience. But in a general area, you'll learn pretty quick if that area has kind of those invection winds, like if it's got the uphill, downhill flow. I think there's really two possibilities that I've seen. One is that, there's like consistent winds from like an angle, usually, you know, Northern hemisphere, the North or Northwest. And like that area just always has consistent winds from that angle, which is really nice. Mm-hmm. Um, or you kind of get these areas that you just notice the winds do what we were talking about. They follow the textbook stuff. They go up and downhill every morning. Yeah. And so if they're doing that, then it's pretty easy to say, well, it's like, okay, well, they're going to go down that Valley and up that Valley. So, you know, I'm camped on the side of the Valley. Where's my, where's my scent going to go? Right. Uh, and you can kind of just visualize it. So even if you don't know the area, when you hike in somewhere and you know the general winds in that area, you're like, okay. Um, and this is something I'll say, and we can talk about more on the Getting Close podcast, but there are areas where elk are literally unhuntable. I'm 100% huh. convinced of that. Yeah, because you get, when you get uh, some of these areas where you get consistent wind and there's just this one, you know, mountain or promontory that the wind always swirls around. 
mm-hmm. no matter what, it always swirls around. And uh, it turns out that's where elk love to go because they know that, right? They wow. know the wind just swirls in there. And there's an area where I hunt. I see the same bull every year, four years in a row now or three. Yeah, four, four years in a row I've seen him there. Uh, and he is literally unapproachable. I've sat there like so many days trying to get close to him. Uh, you just have to wait for him to leave that area because they just know it. That's crazy. They found that secret spot. They're, yeah, they're no, there's protected. three or four like that where they're the same bulls there every year. But this one's wow. in a, he's the biggest of all of them, of course. He knows the best right. spot. He'll kick the other ones out of there. Wow. Um, so it's cool stuff. But yeah, anyway, you can, you know, four or 500 yards is not as far as you think, right? That's, that's like a, what, a third of a mile, fourth of a mile. It's not that far. Mm-hmm. And that's great because you can cover that distance, you know, without a headlamp in about 10 minutes at night if you got any sort of moonlight. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So four to 500 yards away. And then did you say up high? Yeah. So that's what we kind of talk about next is like where to camp, right? Like up, up or downhill. And so I'm actually a huge proponent of camping up high if possible. And that's one of the biggest reasons guys don't want to do that is it's so stinking hard, right? It's a lot of effort to get up there. And when you do find elk, you almost never, oh, it's a lie, but you, it's rare that they're like at the same height as you. So you almost have to go down after them and then come back up, mm-hmm. which is guys don't want to put in that level of effort. And you also are going to struggle with water right? Like there might not be a water source up there. So you're going to have to bring a lot of water with you. Oh, so not only do you have to hike back up, but you have to carry more weight too. Yeah. And that's, (laughs) you know, I'd say 50% of the time there's water, 50% not like you can still be up high and find like a little Creek or a lake or a basin or some sort of little seep and be fine. But yeah, sometimes you're like, you just have to, like, if you're on a, there's this one Ridge, for example, I love to go to every year. Mm -hmm. I don't think I put a lot of photos of it up and it's between two basins. And it has the world's largest wallow I've ever seen on it. I mean, it's got to be like 30 yards by 40 yards. I don't even know. It's huge. huge. Uh, on the side of a hill. And the elk, there's always three or four bulls in the one little basin on the one side of it. And there's another one in the bigger basin on the other side. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it's just a little finger ridge you got to camp out on. And I actually had to kick in. You know, I camped out on the tip of it. And then I realized they're all walking literally around me in the morning. And they were, they were so close to my tent that I couldn't even get out of my tent in the morning. <laughs> so I was like, okay. So I had to go kick out a campsite with my boot about two or 300 yards up the ridge. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's no water. There's nothing up there, right? It's completely dry. Right. Um, other than that wallow. And trust me, you don't want to drink that water. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and so that's it. You know, I've got to bring an extra few liters up there, right? Mm-hmm. To go get to them. But I've, I can wake up every morning and see 40 elk on either side and I know exactly where I'm going to hunt and drop on them for the day. Dang, that's crazy. So you want to camp up high, but uh, is there danger in skylining yourself with a tent? Yeah, you know, I think always, always try to camp like inside of trees for like wind protection, if nothing else. Like that's one of the dangers of camping up high is like you're exposed and you know, you do have to have like the right type of shelter. And this is also another reason I'm a big proponent of like a, a double wall tent. Cause you can actually last through a storm and that kind of thing. And like a very warm sleeping bag, something that's actually rated, you know, EN rated 10 or 15 mm-hmm. for most guys. Um, because you, you have to really be concerned about that if you're up high, right? If you're down yeah. at the bottom of a basin, anything short of like a, you know, top tier winter storm is not going to do anything to you. Right. Uh, versus up there, you get a pretty powerful cell coming through in the afternoon. Yeah. It can mm-hmm. be a fun, <laughs> a fun few minutes. <laughs> yeah. And also, like you said, you don't want to skyline yourself at all. Yeah. Especially when you're getting out of the tent, right? And like, if you're walking right along the ridge, then all the elk on either side can both all see you. Huh? Oh yeah. For miles, for like yeah. a mile or two. Yeah. You've ruined, ruined the area, right? It's, yeah. it's easy to do, but yeah. And there's, you know, for, we talked about some of the benefits, but there's really a few others your first is it's super easy to, to locate them, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's what we talked about. That's game number one is trying to find them fast. And so we talked about sight. It's just, of course, it's way easier to glass. Like you want to camp kind of near a glassing point and just you can find them fast that way. If you're in semi-open country, at least. Yeah. Or open country. Um, but the, the sound bit we talked about last week, you can just hear them so much easier, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, that's right. That's right. It's like you can... One thing I forgot to cover then, and I, you know, was thinking about it the other day, 
was that elk don't they don't there's a lot of the time they bugle super soft Mm -hmm. like i've been around a lot of bulls that only bugle soft enough you can hear them for two or three hundred yards maybe 400 yards if you're in the timber Mm -hmm. so i think that's an adaptation to like people bugling at them and to wolves you know things that are around that just want to hear them and it's i mean it's still the exact same noise it's just super soft Mm -hmm. Uh, and when you're up high like you can actually pick those out so even if they're like half a mile down in the basin just because you're above them there's nothing between you you can still hear those super faint little little like midday kind of close distance contact bugles yeah so being up high is super beneficial for that right Mm -hmm. is that do you hear them better because it's like the noise is just traveling through air and it's not like bouncing off a bunch of trees and exactly yeah it's not like you know going off of you know getting hit by some ground or something like that it's line of sight is the same as line of sound they're both waves of things so Mm -hmm. you got to get to your eyeballs your ears either way yeah but so now we're into the good stuff like the the main reason i'm a big proponent of hunting elk all day like oh excuse me hunting elk up high Mm -hmm. camping up high is that you can hunt them all day and so let's walk through this logically as we talked about last week elk are down low during the night they're up high during the day so if you're down low you can hunt them when they're there but if you're starting to hunt them anytime past mid-morning you're doing what you're chasing them up the hill yeah right or you're hiking up to them middle of the day uh, same goes for the evening. You know, you can't really hunt them in the afternoon. You have to wait till they come down right before last light. So like we're talking about, if you want to maximize your time hunting elk all day long, it's probably not you know, being down, uh, down low because you're only going to get like maybe an hour in the morning, an hour in the evening. Mm-hmm. Good time. So if you're uphill, you know, this is going to take a little more effort. You can wake up, you can see them in the morning. You glass them or you'll hear them. You go, okay, and you can drop on them. Uh, mm-hmm. But a lot of elk, like I found elk too that are up high and are just happy in their basin and they don't really move. So you can get close to those too and just get on them. But you can, it's very easy to walk down to where they are yeah, and then hunt them right in the morning. And then you just watch them come up to their beds in the afternoon. And hey, that's basically the same level you're at, right? Mm-hmm. You can hunt them there. And then when you found them there, you can hunt them all afternoon or obviously if the winds aren't right, you're just sitting around, but then you know where to go to get between them and where they want to go at night. Hmm. so just by being up there it's a heck of a lot easier to be able to hunt them all day long versus having to kind of chase them around and try to find them oh interesting so it's it sounds like camping up high basically you're basically you're playing chess really well like you're strategically placing yourself in positions where you can go maybe like ambush them i guess or like catch them in their natural yeah tendencies versus like being behind the eight ball all the time yeah, exactly. And if there's one, like I can sum up all of next week's podcasts in one one sentence, <laughs> which is, you know, getting close, like making a shot happen. It's uh, it's get where the elk want to be. Because uh, and this makes sense. You're driving down a freeway and you're like, I need gas. And you look at the map and there's a gas station like six blocks off the freeway. You're like, eh, screw it. But you're driving up and you see that Exxon right on the off ramp and you're like, nice. <laughs> right? like, ah. Pull over and you hit it. It's the same as an elk. And so whether you're ambushing them, you're stalking them, or you're calling them, um, I'm a huge believer that they're going somewhere they want to be. And mm-hmm. if you're kind of already there, they're much more likely to come check it out, oh, especially with okay. calling. So if you're calling an elk that are walking up the hill, I think you have like a one in 10 chance to get them to right. come back. Like a bull's just going to grab grab his harem and roll but if you're kind of off to the side on the path they're already on or the same mm. kind of contour line of elevation yeah that bull's like oh yeah this like i'm just gonna go check that out it's on the way right huh interesting and do you think maybe another reason why they're more apt to do that is because they're already on the way maybe they just think that there's elk like you're just another elk exactly that they, they see all the time or they know is, is going to be there all the time yeah totally and i think predators uh, you know, most predators follow prey and then wait for the right chance to jump on it. They don't, they're not oh. like humans. They don't really have the, the optics or the higher level neocortex right. to go, <laughs> I'm going to get in front of these things and ambush them and wait at this point. Like certain, yeah. certainly animals do ambush them, but they ambush them by following them and then running ahead of them real quick. Right. So it's right, like right. setting up and thinking ahead of time. That's a human thing. Right. And so they don't really naturally think about that. I don't think. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I mean, this is, I'm just learning, learning every year. So subject to change. Right. But I, I really think they don't understand that. And so if you're somewhere where, where they want to be, you're like you said, they also think, Oh, only an elk would be where I want to be. So what's yeah. going on. Right. Right. So this is why like this doesn't sound like the world's sexiest podcast but all of a sudden you start to see the pieces click and you're like yeah this is like strategy at a higher level right yeah yeah wow it all it makes everything else easier when you're up high or a little bit up to the side um and you know another big one for that too is and we'll get into this because i don't i don't want guys to think or you to think that like camping down low is a bad idea i probably end up camping down low 40 percent of the time oh, okay uh, we'll talk about that in a minute but one of the other benefits of camping up high is you have more options, right? And so if you found found a bunch of elk and they're bedded somewhere, they don't always go to the same meadow every day. You know, they might hit one meadow over here. They might hit that basin the next morning, but they'll kind of bed in the same area generally. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if you're camped down low in one little basin, you've made a hundred percent bet on one tiny little area, right? Yeah. And like it may or may not pet off, pay off. It's just a lower odds bet. Versus if you're up higher and you can see four basins, you know, or you're kind of like on two sides of a ridge, uh, you now have the ability, you just have more irons in the fire, right? You have more mm-hmm. chances. You have four times the amount of chances to go somewhere where an elk is. You wake up, you look down, you're like, oh, they're in that one. Here we go. Yeah. And so I like that because it gives you just so much more optionality of like getting to where the elk are. Right. But if you if you do camp out in a basin, does that mean like you're you're committing to that basin for the next day or no i mean you can always move but yeah you wouldn't really want to move for like the hour of morning when it's going to be good hunting right oh i see i see yeah that that golden period of time you're pretty much committed gotcha uh, to get in there and uh you know finally i think you're way less likely to spook elk up high because they're not it's not an area they naturally walk to versus at night they walk down into the low country and walk all around it Mm -hmm. right and so like we talked about yeah if you're in your tent and all is good no big deal but yeah there's periods of time where you're not so you're kind of walking around leaving your scent all over the place and right around where you're going to camp and that's going to be right around where they walk right so i've just i've spooked very very few elk when i'm camped up higher because they just don't really you know they spend very little time in that area gotcha so you're camping close to elk but not like right where they are (laughs) right where they are you're like kind of just off to the side right interesting Yeah. yeah yeah So, I mean, so that's it. That's kind of why up high, but, um, uh, it, again, this is all super hard stuff to talk about because we're not talking specifics. We're talking like generalities and you might yeah. get to a certain area and there's just things about it. You're like, Oh, I should be here. Um, and so down low, like we talked about camping down low, is not, there's nothing wrong with it per se. I mean, you know, the drawbacks now we've talked about the benefits of of camping up high, but like situations where I think it makes great sense to go down low is when you, uh, it's when you really know that elk are in that area. So like, mm-hmm. for example, there's an, a spot where I shot my bull last year. That's like a meadow and this little tiny kind of box Canyon. And I know, I know every morning elk are there because there's two or three bedding areas that elk can come from down to that area. Mm-hmm. You know, I put a game cam in there. I'll get, uh, get something to light it up every morning. Right, they're always in that area. Or say you're somewhere the night before and you glassed a basin and they've been in there every day. Mm-hmm. You've been glassing it across the valley and you just see elk there every morning. You're like, okay, like this is a good spot to be. So if you're pretty convinced, it doesn't really matter that you're only betting in one spot because you know it's high odds. Right. Yeah. That makes sense. But then uh so if you do see them in one basin um time and time again you st- it's still it's okay to go camp in that basin yeah now this is where it gets hairy right and i think of all the times you have to think really smart about your campsite it's it's when you do this but again i've i was camped well obviously the one that i shot was within 40 yards of my camp right last year yeah, yeah i walked yeah. right into it mm-hmm. but uh he walked right down the path i intentionally camped in a spot where i knew that they could walk by and he did right mm-hmm. so you just have to think it through. And there's, I guess I have three tips on this one. One is like, if there is a Creek camp next to it. Uh, and the reason for that being the noise disguises you a little bit, you make a ton of noise, just walking around and chatting with your hunting buddy. If you've got one or, you know, the, all these weird, there's two types of noises in the, in the woods, right? There's like breaking branches and cracking pine needles and scuffing dirt. Those are natural noises. No big deal. But then there's like 
human noises, which is the synthetic jacket rubbing on itself. It's a metal clanking against metal. It's a carbon arrow popping off a riser. It's, you know what Super, I mean? Yeah. And those are, those are sounds that are completely foreign to an elk and they freak <laughs> out the second yeah. I hear them. Um, versus, yeah, you, you break a branch, they're certainly going to look for you. But if you mew or make a little cow noise, like, ah, whatever. It's mm-hmm. a cow. So the creek kind of, especially if you get somewhere where there's a little bit of rapids or tumbly stuff, it's going to help disguise some of that noise. Mm-hmm. And then I also have this pet theory that the humidity down there helps trap a little bit of the scent. Interesting. Yeah. Cause I've, I've, I've just feel like there's less, I've had less problems with my scent drifting around if I'm close to a Creek. Yeah. Uh, the only downside with that though, is that man, oh man, it's uh, it can get cold in Creek bottoms cause all the oh. cold air filters down. Mm-hmm. And if you're somewhere that's super high humidity, like we camped, we camped in an island in a creek, uh, one year, and I will never do that again because <laughs> basically what happens is all that super humid cold air gets in there. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, if people that are familiar with humidity and dry environments, it's a heck of a lot colder at the same temperature when it's humid. Yeah. But also yeah. humidity kills the loft in your down bag. Oh. <laughs> so it's everything about it is cold. So I try to camp up you know, maybe like next to the Creek, but 10 feet up or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's kind of nice. But so that's kind of like a little hack for that, but you have to be super careful when you do that. Cause obviously elk want water. Yeah. And so I like walk up and down the Creek for maybe a quarter of a mile and find an area where they're just not near it. Cause if they have areas they like to, they like to go. Right. Yeah. There, uh, if there's one thing I can help you with, I'm like elk traveling behavior. It's that they're lazy like us. Mm-hmm. they're unbelievably fit and they're so much more athletic than you or I will ever be, but they just don't want to use energy unless they need to. Yeah. So they kind of have these defined paths and that's part of the fun of hunting the same area for me over time. is like, I just start to learn where they go and where they want to go. Mm-hmm. But for example, they'll always go over a saddle if they can, right. They don't want to go up over the top of the mountain Yeah. or they'll side hill, but all that to say, they'll tend to access a creek in like a few different places mm-hmm. because coincidentally those are the areas where it's easy to come down the hill there or it's easy to get down the bank or it just kind of naturally is on the the easy path through that valley mm-hmm. so there are areas of the creek that just don't have any traffic right yeah so go look for one of those if you're going to camp in a, in a basin mm-hmm. yeah um, but in that basin um so you said there was a path near where you camped how close would you camp to that path uh, well, it gets one, sketchy. Yeah. And this one, to be totally honest, this was fairly, it was lightly used, right? Mm-hmm. I was not camping near the, the main path they got in. There was, I know there's like five or six, um, five or six different paths into that area. And like two or three of them are just hammered. And this was yeah. like one of the, the kind of random ones for them to go down. So I camped, you know, 40, 50 yards from it, which is just far enough that they walk by, you're not going to be right in their path. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's still bow shot away. So okay. that's kind of where I went to. Yeah. You another so two other tips for camping down low. Uh, yeah. Before we move off of it is one is kind of move off to the side, right? It's, this is really hard to, to visualize on the podcast, but they, your wind goes up and downhill, right? And they'll typically bed up somewhere. Like if we're looking at a, a valley and it's like an L, you know, I type L on a piece of paper and the bottom of the L is the opening to the valley, and the top of the L is the top of the valley. Mm-hmm. Um, they're going to be at the ends of the T, right? They're going to go up to the left side of the valley, up kind of two-thirds of the way up the ridge or to the right, yeah, something like that, and just kind of go up there and then drop down into the where the L is, which is maybe the creek at the bottom of the valley at night. Mm-hmm. That's general behavior. There's always exceptions, right? Um, but if you camp kind of right in the middle there, it's pretty difficult because they're going to walk right across you but if you just go up to that ridge and then move down the ridge a few hundred yards Mm -hmm. and then camp somewhere there like that's a lot better than just camping right in the middle so kind of getting off to the side of the path they go up or down is really impactful because yeah your wind might blow up or down that valley but if they're above it or below it you're fine right right oh i see i see what you're saying Wow, that's the the more we talk about this, the more I see like how strategic choosing your campsite is. Yeah, and I think a lot of guys are gonna hear this or people you talk to or, or just be like, dude, this is overly 
overly anal or overly crazy, but I think a lot of these <laughs> little things are, are things that just, they add up, right? They make a huge difference when you put them all together as to like what happens. Cause all of a sudden you're in an area and elk truly don't know you're there. Um, you have a better opportunity for a shot. Like they, it just adds up. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It does sound like a pretty big, uh, pretty impactful decision where you camp, especially when considering like how much time, uh, it'll save you. Yeah. And this isn't like rocket surgery, right? You don't have to sit back and do the EMC equals MC squared. And you know, think about it all. It's just looking at, uh, just knowing the wind patterns in the area and just looking at the map and just taking a minute, two minutes to think logically, not just like randomly camping somewhere or winding up there. Cause it looks nice. It's stepping back and going, okay, like wind's going to do this. I think the elk are here. What does that mean for where I'm going to camp? Yeah. Right. So this and is not, uh, it's not like some giant flow chart I've got. It's just a two or three minute decision I'll make at night or when I'm scouting of like, where do I think good campsites are? Yeah. And uh, this is going to be a very dumb question, but you probably never have a fire, huh? When you're camping. I'm not a huge fan of fires. Yeah. It's not, uh, I think fire is a natural scent and I've heard from a lot of guys that do have fires um, and I've had them when it's cold and I've never really noticed a huge problem. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't think it's as much about that. For me, it's more like I, I'm going to hunt till dark, right? Yeah. And I'm not going to get back to the tent until at least 10, 20 minutes past pitch, pitch black. Mm-hmm. And then at that point, like I got to start a fire and burn it and get it to the point where it's safe to go to bed is going to be an hour and a half. And like, I'm yeah. tired. I want to go to bed, you know? So it's like, right. it's, there's not really a great opportunity for it, I guess. Mm-hmm. The fires I've had most of the time are during the day to cook a grouse. <laughs> like <laughs> <the day. laughs> nice. Um, so that's yeah, cool. I'm not, that's the main reason I'm not a huge fan of fires. Just so much time and effort to deal yeah. with and uh, what about yeah. if you're up high and you have a fire then then all the everyone can see you right everyone can see you they'll can see it i also think if you're down in a little valley and you are having a fire you're just and it's cold air there's inversion layer it's you're filling that whole valley with smoke i do think mm-hmm. there's something to that so yeah. I, I, you know whatever i don't think it's gonna it's not like a red flag and it's not something i'd say josh don't do this but yeah it's not like a great thing and i don't really see much benefit from it too just because uh, fires are amazing. I love caveman TV. Don't get me wrong. Like that's, that's all I do when I camp is just sit around and play with fire. But when you're out hunting, they don't really, like, unless it's huge, they're not going to give you a ton of warmth. It's like yeah. one side of you is always going to be cold. Like I'd rather just get in the bag. Right. Okay. Warm before I start to get cold. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and also another question about camping up high do you want to camp above tree line or do you still want to be like within that 2000 feet below tree line where elk usually hang out? Uh, you know, it all depends on where the elk are at, but I'm, I would always be a big proponent of be in the trees with your tent because okay. they can't uh, yeah, see that's you right. when you're milling around, but also just the storms, right? When yeah. the winds come, you really, really want to be inside of a tree line. Right. Um, and that's, that's another thing to think about too. When you're thinking about where you camp, um, even a hundred yards off the top of a ridge is infinitely more protected than, you know, right on the top of it. So yeah, that just, that should come natural to you after a while. But, you know, think about when the storm comes again, Northern hemisphere stuff spins clockwise. It almost always any storm in Montana, Idaho, Wyoming is going to come from the North Northwest. The winds are, and then it'll switch to South. So you just look at the ridge and go, okay, which side of the ridge is going to be totally sheltered from that. Oh, wow. Interesting. Just flip over there and get in the, get in the trees or you can, you can get behind a big rock or something. Um, yeah, just, and we talked about this at the range the other day, but, uh, it's worth, worth bringing back up. But uh, there, you hear of guys getting killed by trees every year, Uh, not necessarily (laughs) in elk hunting, but backpacking, like it happens. Yeah. There's lots Mm -hmm. like big Agnes is one of the, the biggest tent manufacturer there. I don't know if it's the biggest, but one of the biggest names, their catalog this year has a picture of a guy who's a tree went across the tent, right? And they replaced it for him and yada, yada. But it's pretty common because there's just a ton of trees. Like the way stuff works naturally is trees die and they just fall down Mm -hmm. and they all fall down when, when a big windstorm comes through. (laughs) Oh, right. And if you're camping right next to one. So just, oh man, I've had, I've been in the woods once and had one boom, like 20 yards from me. And I wasn't in threat of dying, but it, oh, it opened my eyes to like, whoa, wow, that could happen. So now every time I set up my tent, I always look up, look around, 
just check out where are the dead trees and where can they fall because there's been times where I've been up there in really, really big storms, especially now in the West with all this beetle kill. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's been this invasive beetle that's been tearing up a lot of the pines for years. Uh, yeah, I'm always looking around because if a big storm comes in, you're going to hear a few trees go and you do not want to be around them. Oh man. Yeah. That is, that is terrifying. That, that would be a really, really bad way to go. <laughs> I may be quick. <laughs> yeah. I guess if it lands in the right spot. Oh, man. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> some totally random piece of advice there. <laughs> That's when you can use your round, but more so in elk season. Cause those are the first, you know, those are the first storms of the year, September. It's when oh. the first big ones come in. And so you, I think you have much higher odds of hearing trees go down in right. my experience than, I'm backpacking June, July all the time and hardly ever hear any, but September, that first big storm comes ripping over the ridge and yeah, you're going to hear a few. Oh, that's right. So I'm, I'm probably going to hear some out there then. So yeah. It's pretty cool. Yeah. I'm going to be out there for a while. So I'll hear yeah. some. It's yeah. pretty cool. Um, yeah, I think that's kind of it for down low. I mean, the last thing I'd say is that, uh, kind of find a dead end if you're going to camp. And so unless you've been out there a lot, that makes zero sense right now, but a dead end is like, when there's thick timber, you know, the dark, they call it dark timber for a reason, right? It's so thick, you can hardly see the sun through it. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's areas in dark timber that even elk won't walk through. They love blow down and a lot of this nasty stuff because they can walk through it or run through it easily. And predators have a hard time, especially you or I getting through it. Mm-hmm. Like there's areas you just straight up could not pack an elk out of. Um, but even with that said, there's, there's areas of dark timber that are so stinking thick and have so much blow down that even the elk don't like to go through them Mm -hmm. and they they'll tend to be these little like dead ends or alcoves which are like it's like a a bay in a lake right you know you're in a lake like a little arm in a lake where you go in and it's just kind of ringed on all sides Mm -hmm. and it'll be so stinking thick all around it that like nothing goes in there yeah and elk have really defined game trails and that's actually a really really good spot to camp oh okay so no elk is going to go in there right how do you find those? Do you stumble upon them? Yeah, totally. Yeah. It's just like if you're in the same area and you're walking around a few hundred yards up and down the creek to find a spot, you'll look over and you'll see there's a, there's a super stinking thick area that no trails are going through. And like I don't, it's really hard to describe some of this stuff. It's just kind of intuitive. You'll look at it and you'll be like, oh, that's off the beaten path to where these things gotcha. are. It's not, you know, that's, that's a great place to camp. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's, that's my other piece of advice for, for camping down well. Okay. So it sounds like first pick is somewhere up high. Um, and then second pick would be if you have to camp in a basin, just like just off the beat, beat path. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That would be my, that'd be my take, but you know, it all comes back to the, the bit we talked about before, which is where are the elk, you know, mm-hmm. never, never leave elk to find elk. So if you find them and you know where they're at, you know, trying to camp close to them is going to be the, the number one thing you can do. Cause it's going to give you more opportunities. Yeah. Awesome. So, yeah. And any, uh, any questions? I think we're a little shorter today, but, uh, for guys that were hoping to get, get what they wanted out of it, they could probably just peace out and go, you know, go to next week's or something like that. But any questions you've got floating around as you're thinking about season coming up in a month here? Yeah. One camping related one is how many nights do you like, how many different campsites do you have? Do you ever camp in the same spot two nights in a row or is it every single day you're like switching to campsites? I'd say it's more common I'm switching them because uh, I also don't want to put a ton of pressure in, on the elk in the area I'm at like day after mm-hmm. day. But yeah, there's definitely been there's definitely been days I've camped in the same area. In that little area I shot the one I told you about, it's like two, two and a half miles in. And there's been times when it was insanely snowy and blustery and nasty that we went back to the car each day and just hiked in there in the morning and night. Mm-hmm. You know, that's how I know about like, do I like hiking or camping right now? Screwed up both ways. <laughs> Yeah. But, uh, so yeah, there'll be days I'll hunt the same area you know, night after night. And I think if you're on elk, like, like I said, don't leave elk to find elk. Mm-hmm. Uh, but typically what I'll do is I'll spend a night and I'll, you know, I'm very patient, but like I said, there's this balance between pushing hard and being patient. And so I'm going to try to make it happen. And usually if I try to make it happen two or three times, I'm going to spook them at least once. Yeah. And, uh, if I do that, then I'm out of that area. So oh, if you spook them, then you're out. Yeah, but there's been times I've had four or five opportunities on the same batch of elk and never spooked them and I'll hang out in the same area two, three days, just keep yeah. trying it. So it just really depends on what the elk are telling you. Okay. Um, actually, could you walk me through like maybe like 
three or four days in terms of just highlighting where you're walking up mm-hmm. down and then where you're camping. Yeah. Uh, and I'll use the the example of where I'm at just because it's unique, right? Every situation is mm-hmm. unique. There's no like general rule for this thing, but uh, uh, give guys the ability to picture it. It's like, like a T, like a capital T, right? There's this mm-hmm. narrower opening and I guess it'd be like a T with two or three tops, but this is giant Valley and the valley is the the up L portion of the T, the straight up and down. And then you know the portion of the T going out left and right, there's like five or six valleys, little mini valleys coming off okay. you know, further up the valley. And so I know in each of those valleys, there's elk. Uh, usually, you know, like we talked about last week, I'm moving really quick until I find some. But mm-hmm. you know, a typical loop running the loop for me would be going up to the first one on the right uh, the first night or the first morning because I know they're always in there. Uh, that's where I shot mine. The other year, I've seen a plenty in there. Um, if I go there and don't see them, you know, if I get there that night and don't see them, uh, then I might move first thing in the morning, right? Mm-hmm. And kind of parallel my way into the, because that basin's still up a little bit to the right. And then once I get there, then I'll just kind of like stay on that elevation and pop into the next one. Oh, okay. So first night I'll be there. Um, if I get a good opportunity on one or two and I feel like there's a ton in the area, um, I might hang for a day or two. But usually if I've got an opportunity that night and the next morning, uh, I feel like that's, I might've spooked them. It's, it's probably good to go. So then I'll move from there the next day up like two basins mm-hmm. because I don't, I don't like to move one basin. Cause then I'm looking, you know, half of the area I'm looking at behind me, I already hunted the day before. Right. Yeah. Unless I think there's still elk there. So I'll move two basins. Cause then I can look into the one behind me and in front of me and they're both fresh. Mm-hmm. And so I'll go up there, camp up pretty darn high in the basin and, uh, you know, glass, you know, glass the elk. And so that morning, for example, I'll hunt the morning in one area. And if I get an opportunity, awesome. And then I'll, you know, kind of mid morning, I'll traverse through that area. Cause I'm hoping that I might intercept elk as they're moving up or down. Yeah. And then I'll get into a new area around midday and start glassing the bedding areas I know. And then we've had really good luck hunting them midday in one or two of these basins. Yeah. Um, Cause there's decent airflow. And we'll glass them up, wait for the right opportunity, sneak in on them, um, take a shot. And then, uh, yeah, if that doesn't work, I'm off to the other side of the T, to the left side. Like, I'll do the full loop of the valley, get up mm-hmm. on the ridge. You know, I've got a fresh set. So, basically, every day or two, depending on the opportunities, I'm just kind of moving to a new set of the basins and doing the giant loop. Got it. Okay, three so it four, sounds like, yeah, sounds three like four depends. days total, I'm done with that whole area. Wow. Okay. So it sounds like it, it like the, when you wake up, if you're in elk, then you'll leave your campsite there when you wake up. Or if you're not in elk, then you'll pack up your campsite. Yeah. And almost always, I don't really can't like pack the campsite in the dark. Mm-hmm. Cause like it's talked about, I like to camp close to them. Yeah. So I know there's, if there are elk in that area, they're going to be really close. So I don't, you know, why would I pack the camp? Uh, oh right because i'm also just i've learned i'm just not going to chase them uphill mm-hmm. and if they are going uphill i kind of know where they're going anyway so i'll loop back and get them yeah because uh, it's just a fool's errand to try to get after them going uphill so yeah i'll leave the tent i'll leave the morning the tent in the morning and go do like a little tiny mini loop of the area i want to be in or go sit something i want to sit in or you know, get to a glassing point or whatever it is mm-hmm. and then do the morning hunt uh you know if i'm lucky get one or something and then come back to the tent, pack it up and move. Oh, got it. Got it. So I generally so not at night. Sometimes I'll camp right where I am when I, when darkness falls, but in the morning, I generally am not packing up in the dark. Gotcha. Okay. And then, you know, after that morning hunt, uh, if it was a good, really good opportunity and you got close, you did not spook them. Do you mm-hmm. come back and like not pack up the camp and just, Oh yeah. A little bit, then go hang. back out. Yeah. And generally my camp's going to be somewhere that I can, you know, it's a little higher, right? So I can see them or I can see the bedding area or I can monitor it really easily. So I'll kind of come back to the tent and like nap and watch them um, or go to somewhere I can watch them that's close to the tent, you know, right, just kind of right. hang out and they might move into an area that's I know is better winds or I'll feel the wind switch, you know, storm, little storms can be in the afternoon can be great things because they make the wind consistent for a short period of time. Mm. so i might be sitting there at one o'clock and a little thunderstorm starts coming and the wind starts blowing away from it and i can see it five miles off and i'm like great i got a 20 minute window yeah the wind's solid and i'm like now's my time oh wow and so you know i'm just kind of hanging watching them seeing what they're doing observing their behavior uh and then yeah 
you know, okay. If I, if I think it's a good area, then I'll stay there as darkness falls and yeah. go for it. Might even gotcha. go try a call sequence on them. I mean, whatever, mm. go have fun. <laughs> nice. And another question is, um, in terms of being for skylining yourself, like, do you, you never want to skyline? What, what if you have to like go over a ridge onto the other side and you know how, do you have to just have to do it really quickly or crouch down or like, how do you? Yeah, no. So like that, the other place I was telling you about, like I'm camping on a finger ridge between two valleys, like right. kind of unavoidable. You got to cross it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the key is just thinking about when you're going to be skylined and when you are going to be skylined going really one of two things going super stinking slow and low yeah or going you know there's usually a few trees on the skyline so sneaking up behind the tree and then sliding around it and then slinking oh, down okay so kind of just making sure that there's not you know, a lot of guys will run over a ridge real quick and i think that's the worst thing you can do <laughs> because it's what it's motion and that's what elk pick up anybody yeah. anybody humans elk pick that up super quick and uh they'll see that motion outline really quickly and that freaks them out more than anything. And I've, that's not me just pontificating. I've done that a few times and seen them all run out of the area. So yeah, if I'm on a ridge, I'm just hyper, hyper aware of what the things behind it. I like, sit there, I go before I cross the ridge, I'll stop for a minute and think like what, when can the elk behind me see my outline? When can the elk in front of me see my outline? Oh, okay. And, yeah. Uh, just kind of slide over real slow. Okay. Gotcha. That was a huge mistake I made during my scouting trip. <laughs> I can't, I can't pretty up high, like right on top of a ridge. Uh, there were trees behind me, which was good. Yeah. But then, uh, yeah, it was kind of like a finger ridge and then I would just walk, walk the ridge. Yeah. Walk, not right on the ridge, but right on the other side. But then I would just, when, when I come back up, I would just walk right over and then to the other side. So yeah. I basically skyline myself for like a, a couple minutes or yeah. or so 30 Which seconds been, why you didn't see any but yeah uh, probably both sides nothing <laughs> yeah there's nothing wrong like hiking a ridge or walking a ridge is some of the best hunting ever because you're up high and you can see them and you get different perspectives on a basin that's one thing you can't really can't underrate with glassing and a lot of these other things is like if you're 300 yards up the ridge your view into the timber on the other side and down into it is totally different yeah. Um, so walking a ridge is a good thing. The key is just like walk 10 feet below the ridge. Right. Right. And if you are super exposed, move super slow and just, just make sure it's always about what's behind you. Yeah. Right? Always about what's behind you. So just make sure anything in that valley, um, you have to remember the the elk at the bottom of the valley has the best view of your outline. Mm-hmm because they're looking up against blue sky. Right. So yeah, you got to think about what's the lowest an elk can be. And if he's there, then like what angle would it be where any part of me would not have something green or you know, blurry behind me? Yeah. And then if you are walking along a pretty exposed ridge and, and yeah, you're 10, 20 feet away, you check the angles, but it is pretty exposed. Like you can see the whole valley. There's no trees around you. Then do you have to walk pretty slow? Like when you're going through that ridge? Yeah. Just, I'd, yeah. Walk and pause, walk and pause. And I, it just depends on, uh, on everything. It depends on the elk, right? If there's a ton of elk in there. Mm-hmm. Like I just wouldn't, there's, for example, one basin that I always find elk in and there's a really, really nice ridge traverse off to the right, but the whole thing is open. It's just scree and other stuff. And there's yeah. really defined game trails in there. So I could walk on that, but I will never do that because they'd easily, easily pick Spot me you. up walking along that, that in the open. Right. So right, if right. you know they're in there, you can't, but you know, there's certain times like I got to get to this other basin. I don't think there's elk in there or if they are, they're bedded in thick stuff. Like, you know just, just run, you know, not run, but I mean, like move smoothly, but fast, you know? Yeah. Is, is what it is. Cool. Yeah. I think, I think like my first like full week, I'm just going to be spooking elk all over the place and like figuring out how I'm affecting them in the area. Oh yeah. But there's only one way to learn this (laughs) stuff. Like really learn it. I can tell you this and I can, we can talk about it all day, but like the only way to truly learn is to like do it wrong. Mm -hmm. That trust me, that, that negative feeling that like, Oh, I blew it. Like, That'll reinforce that for life. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. Uh, now I'm really excited. Now I'm really excited for the next season of uh, our podcast episodes because then I'll be able to like start saying like, oh yeah, this happened to me last time. This mm-hmm. is where I messed up. And so it'll help illustrate the points uh, from both of us. Um, yeah. And it starts to like, it adds up, right? And I think, I mean, that's getting back to the whole thing we're talking about and like maybe a good, good note for us to end on, but it's, you're, you will always be successful elk hunting if you define success the way you want. So if you're right. like, I, I am there to learn and become a better elk hunter and kill more elk, you can kill more elk without killing an elk. If that makes sense. 
Like you can get through a season and have learned so much about, did you skyline yourself? Where did you camp? What did the wind do? How did I call it? You know, what did it do for the shot setup? And yeah, you didn't get something that year, but you learned so much stuff that the next year you're going to be like four times as efficient. Right. Yeah. You're just put banking, banking in a bunch of knowledge and, and experience. That's why um, I'm going to stay out there the whole month if I can. Yeah. So like you said, whether or not I'm successful in terms of killing an elk, yeah. I should just still stay out there and bank a bunch of knowledge for investing in the future seasons. Yeah. And I, um, you know, I get this a few times. I've gotten this from a few folks on uh, different things. They're like, why are you writing things? You've only been elk hunting five years. Um, I think first, uh, so don't worry, I'm tying this in. I think first thing I say to them is like, oh, I've been really transparent with that. I've been telling everybody I've only done it five years, right? Mm -hmm. um, so I'm not trying to come off as some guy who's been hunting 30 years. Uh, and But I think there is an angle of it of there's a big difference between hunting 30 years and like hunting hard, right? And so if you're doing one week a year where you're kind of just up there camping at the bottom of the hill, running up just to see if an elk shows up, Versus if you're doing what you're doing when you're out there with the elk all day, every day, and you spend three or four weeks a season doing it like that, that one month, you'll learn more than I think most guys would learn in five or six years. Right. Right. Um, and you get to watch the whole season unfold, every phase of it, it really yeah. deeply in one area. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so that's, that's what I'll tell guys too. I think it's like, it's, it's quality, not quantity sometimes, right? It's, you know, the best is quality and quantity. I think there's plenty of guys out there that hunt crazy hard and they've doing it 30 years and. Heck yeah, I would never, never say I'm that that level of stuff. But I also think there's a there's an aspect of this and what we're doing that's really helpful to guys, and that we're new enough, we know what questions to ask, right? I think when mm -hmm. you've been doing stuff for 30 years, you sometimes forget a lot of the little things that newbies struggle with. And so I think that's right. part of why this has been so cool for me is I'm like just enough experience to be pretty confident in some things, mm -hmm. but uh, just fresh enough that I remember the exact questions and the difficult <laughs> right. things you're going through that are like might seem super simple to someone who's been doing it 30 years, but like, where do you camp is a, is a fundamentally huge and important thing to think through, right? Where someone might just take that for granted. Yeah. And just in case you don't catch all the questions, you got a fresh, fresh newbie right here talking to you. So I'll exactly. catch <laughs> Well, I think also a lot of guys don't, uh, a lot of guys don't know the questions to ask. Mm -hmm. Right. And, or like, like I'm, I'm, you know, we're all prideful to some degree. They don't want to ask the super basic questions. So that's one of the things I love about talking to you is you'll ask questions that I'd never thought of to even bring up, mm -hmm. or you'll ask things that, uh, you know, I, I might've thought I knew, but then we'll talk about it more and I'm like, Oh yeah, yeah, that. Right. So right. Uh, that's why I think this is a really cool, valuable thing for even guys that are super experienced is you're covering so much ground that get the little, all the little details, right. Thanks, man. Yeah, I, I definitely am not afraid to ask stupid questions. Um, <laughs> as you should yeah. be. That's yeah. awesome. Cool. Well, uh, I think that's I think that's about it on campsites. Any other questions on your end? Uh, no, no questions. But I did find a really cheesy quote. Maybe we can end on, and it's uh, who knows if it's actually from Abraham Lincoln, but the quote, <laughs> the, quote <laughs> the quote reads, "And in the end, it's not the years in your life that count; it's the life in your years." Bingo. Amazing. That's exactly <laughs> it right there. Yeah. That's the, uh, that's all cutting man. And it, I think if you, if you learn and you enjoy what you're doing and you're having a blast, like that's, there's nothing more you could ask for in life. Right. Yeah. Oh, that, that is success. So it's, I'm excited for you. You're going to have such a good fall. Oh, I can't wait. Yeah. I went on a hike yesterday. I went halfway up and I was getting tired and I was like debating if I should go back. And I was like, elk, <laughs> I just went to the top. <laughs> yep. That's awesome. It's already making you a better person. Look at that. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. Good times. All right. Well, uh, I think that's it for guys. Um, if they want to keep in touch with this, the YouTube, the blog articles, podcasts, all that stuff, they can just sign up for the newsletter. Only one email a week. Pretty easy for them to follow along with everything new we're putting out. And uh, best of all, they'll be able to follow you pretty soon through your journey here in the fall to see how yeah. it went. Yeah, my friends are asking me like, oh, wait, don't, I, tell me all about it. And I'll be like, it's going to be on the podcast. Just just wait. I'm going to go into full detail on the podcast. We're definitely going to uh, get it. What's the yeah. easiest way for someone to sign up for the newsletter? Uh, they just go to baxterbowman.com. Um, it'll be there. We should probably start putting it in the show notes too. We'll put a link oh, to that. Yeah, we should. If you just look at it, you know, on iTunes, just look at the notes uh, for them to grab that stuff there too. But uh, and it's cool. It's exciting for me. Like I love it when guys email me. Like the reason I'm doing this, 
Uh, we're not really making, well, we're making $0 off of this. Um, <laughs> the reason I do this, I love talking to guys and like talking about elk hunting. So it's super fun when guys reach out and say, oh, I really like that in the podcast or you know, tell Josh this, or like it's, those have been the best parts of the whole deal. So I love yeah, it. Reach guys out. Sign up. That's my, the email that newsletter comes from uh, is the email I'm checking. So the guys can just respond right to that. Oh, cool. When they get the newsletter in the, in their email, they can respond right to it. It goes to you and you'll be able to answer back. Every one of those pops up on the screen of my iPhone. So (laughs) (laughs) nice. Yeah. Cool. Cool. All right. Well, next week we're doing closing the distance and uh, that's it for camping. Oh, closing the distance. That's going to be intense. That'd be good. All right. Well, thanks guys. We'll check in with you next week.